Hi guys, thanks for listening to this episode. We really appreciate all of the support and staying alongside the audio to now visual component of Beans Without Boundaries. Uh, going forward with the second season, we do have like an, a little bit of increase of cost. So we set up a little donation thing through Buy Me A Coffee. It's a little website that if you're willing to just splurge, there's an option for being able to just buy me a coffee. It also gives me a good idea if you really are enjoying our content and would like to help support and continue it. The link will be in the description underneath the YouTube video. It's also going to be in the description for Apple Podcasts and um, Spotify Podcasts as well. Uh, Whichever platform uh, would be greatly appreciated to just continue following along the journey and whatever you're willing to just kind of help with feedback, whether it's comments on the videos or just going on social media. Um, And if you're feeling typically generous, it'd be great to just throw a coffee my way. Thanks for listening in and until next time. I know this is our first time really ever like talking and meeting each other. Um, Cause I think we both, we got introduced by Bethany. Right, yes. Cause she told you about the show and you were interested in coming on. Yeah, she said that uh, you do a podcast and mm-hmm. that you interview female um, entrepreneurs in the coffee industry, is that right? Yeah, more or less. It's just trying to bring people of color and women and women identifying people onto the show to talk about like their stories and like their thoughts on the industry and what they would like to like bring to awareness for the audience to listen to. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, yeah, she told me a little bit about it and I I thought it would be great to meet you and talk to you and, you know, see if we can do something together. I would love to hear why you wanted to be on the show since it's, have you listened to any of the episodes at all? Yeah, yeah. So I, um, I think it's a great opportunity to connect with people. Um, to tell you a little bit of background, I, I grew up at a coffee farm in Colombia. My parents are uh, coffee producers and they are still coffee producers to this day. And I had, I was very lucky in my family and got a chance to go to school and eventually to go to college and you know, in my whole family, including extended family, I was the first one in my family to to have access to that level of education. Mm-hmm. So I felt um, very lucky thanks to that and eventually was able to go to college and eventually come here. So I've been working with coffee and representing small coffee farmers for seven to eight years now. And, um, you know, I want to get the word out there about what we're doing. And I think it's it's been a great uh, work of love. And uh, honestly, personally, it has been very fulfilling for me to be able to represent um the kind of my roots and where I come from in front of uh, an international market and mm-hmm. a different audience and something totally different to what I grew up surrounded by. So, yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity and, uh, you know, kind of the the speaker uh, that, that you are kind of offering to me to be able to voice uh, some of the stuff that we're doing. Yeah, of course. I think that... The industry just needs more representation. It needs more information on what's going on in the industry because, sadly, 
this is a very gate-kept community and there's not much information being told to like general public about what we do. I think it's kind of like a ghost town. Um, so it's been nice being able to meet amazing people on the show and then like get to learn alongside a lot of these listeners because some of the stuff I've, I haven't been in the industry that long that I get to also kind of have my aha moments or like really just being able to gain more knowledge on what's being done. So yeah, I am glad to have you on. I'm glad that you're um, open to the experience and I would love to hear how this all started for you. Like, did you originally want to be in coffee? I know that you said that you went to school. Like, did you study to try and reinforce what you're doing now? So, um, so I really, I grew up at the farm and honestly, growing up, the, like the thing that was told to me the most by my parents was you have to study and you have to get out of the farm and had to do something else, you know? So I was always kind of taught, um, your future is not here in the farm and your future is not in coffee, you know, because they have, they have, they, I'm fifth generation of coffee growers. So they have been farmers their whole life. My grandparents, my great grandparents were farmers as well. And what they have achieved is not a lot through farming, uh, coffee specifically in Colombia. So their particular case is, you know, they have been able to survive and to get a home and food, but it's not a huge growth or success and they wanted something better for us and they didn't get a chance to go to school. So for them, it was always, um, my, my parents, thankfully they are very open-minded even though they didn't go to school and they always knew that, you know, education was, um, kind of the, the biggest thing that they could give us to me and my, and my siblings, you know, um, so that we will be granted some opportunities in the future different than having to become uh, farmers and stay at the coffee farm. Because in their view and their experience, that was not um, the best opportunities. Um, they kind of had to do it because their parents never sent them to school. And in their case, like my mom was taken out of school so that she could work at the farm and, um, you know, their parents were just not supportive in terms of education. Also, it was a different time and, mm -hmm. and they needed help at the farm, right? That's the reality of it. So um, I was kind of raised with the mentality of, yeah, I have to get out of the farm and, and, and go to study. And so I went and um, I went to college to study business. I lived at the farm and I did elementary school at the village. Uh, it's a village uh, called San Jose in the municipality of Amaga town, which is close to Medellin city in Colombia. So at the village, I did elementary school and then I moved to the town to kind of a dormitory type of institution where all the kids from the country will move and live during the week so that they could go to school in the town because we don't have high schools in the in the village, not at that time. So I will live there during the week. So I moved out of home when I was 11. Wow. Um, and then I will live in this place during the week, go to high school and then go visit my parents on the weekends. And then I moved to the city of Medellin and I was able to start college. Um, I got a loan. So my dad had to like, like, um, uh, mortgage the whole farm so that I could get a loan to go to school. And, uh, that was, you know, that, that, that's something that normally parents will do. Um, especially, you know, 
knowing that that was their life or their like the work of their whole life. And also it was a lot of pressure for me because I, I needed to get good grades right. to, you know. You were young was, too. Yeah. So I needed to, because the, the loan, it was like a school loan. So it had certain requirements of, you know, a GPA and uh, I had yeah. to be, you know, at certain level in order to keep the loan. Um, but thankfully I got lucky and did like at the second semester, I applied for a scholarship and I got it. So I was able to, you know, we only had to lend money for one semester instead of the whole length of the career. And then eventually we could release the farm of that loan, like the lease and what would you call it? But yeah, the mortgage, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and so I got this scholarship, which got me through college and I studied business and I always knew I wanted to do a business. And then through my career, I'm like, I would like to do something with coffee one day, maybe roast the coffee and sell it. So, you know, when I started business, I learned that, you know, like the, fi the, the closer you get to the final consumer, um, the more profit you're going to make. Right. So and we were selling the raw product, uh, parchment coffee at the town, you know, to the, to the market rates. And that's it. That's all we knew farming and selling parchment. And that's where our knowledge finished. Um, and so I'm like, maybe I'll learn how to, you know, finish the process and roast the coffee and sell it to the final consumer. And then we, or the farm will be actually profitable and we will have a business. But I had this like a very long-term lo uh, goal because I knew that it needed a very big investment and um, I didn't have a way to get the money to buy a roasting machine or anything like that, or even start a business in Colombia, which is, is can be expensive. So I thought maybe in the future, you know, I can work for a few years and save some money and maybe, you know, in 10, 15 years, maybe we can start a roasting company with the family. But then when I finished college, I had the opportunity to come here through an exchange program um, called upper care, which is like coming as a nanny. I'm sure a lot of people know it. It's like, a, you know, you come as a nanny and work for an American family and then, um, and then you get paid, but you also live with them. And so it's, it was a great opportunity to learn the language because I didn't know English. And I thought, well, I need to learn. And I tried to learn throughout all my college and I couldn't, mm -hmm. it was, it was really hard. It was one of my biggest challenges, um, going through college. And so I thought, well, I, I'll, I'll go to the U.S. and I'll work with a, with a family and um, with what they pay me, I can, you know, pay. I made a loan to be able to come into the program. So I'm like, with what they pay me, I can pay the loan. And then when I learn the language, I'll go back to Colombia and then I'll get a job. That was my initial plan. And then when I came here... I realized how much coffee people drink here. I'm like, in yeah. Colombia, we drink like, in Colombia, we drink cups, you know, this size, like Tinto, you know, little, like they're little, like espresso little cups. Mugs. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I'm like, you know, like when I came here and I, yeah, learned, like you know, Starbucks I is large like, wow. size. Yeah, <laughs> like, no wonder where all that coffee goes, you know, like coffee is big here. And so I started getting curious about the coffee industry here. And as I was in my program and um, eventually switched to a student visa too after my program, and I kind of extended that for another year with a student visa, I started um, researching more and more about coffee. And I realized that 
you know, there were coffee roasteries here and that they um, look for green coffee. And the way we were selling the coffee at the farm was just one step away from green coffee, which is the hauling, right? The hauling part. And I'm like, well, maybe I don't need to start a roasting company. Maybe I can just bring the green coffee here mm-hmm. and sell directly to roasters. So, you know, during the next couple of years after that, I kind of started bringing samples and I switched my visa to a student visa and I started realizing that maybe I could start a business here. Uh, and, and eventually I did. I registered a business so that I could, you know, uh, do the research part. And um, I brought samples to roasters and I started to get feedback and people liked it. So... I, you know, I started working on how to how to start a business here so that we could bring our own coffee directly to the U.S. And I got a loan um, for bringing five bags of coffee. That was my my first import. No, five or six. And I brought it here. So that's how it kind of started, kind of to prove the business model. But it took it took a couple of years of research and, and learning. But uh, that's kind of how it started. I didn't really know um, what I was going to do. Uh, but it, the opportunity kind of presented itself, and so I took it. So you always wanted to work in coffee, then? No, I did. I just wanted to go back to Colombia and and work at a at a bank or get a job, <laughs> um, and eventually maybe start a roasting company. Mm-hmm. But I never. It was never my goal. Like, oh, right. I, I want to work in coffee. But when I came here, is when I kind of saw that there was right. opportunity to work in coffee. Plus. Um, once I started my business, I, I started really seeing all the pro the co- the pros of it because I'm like, well, I can I can start a business and I can stay here and I can mm-hmm. go back and forth and I can still con- you know help my family because then I can pay them, you know, I'm I will be the only middleman, so I realized I can pay them much better than if they were still selling at um our, our market prices mm-hmm. and I could bring um, coffee directly to the roasters and give them more traceable and more transparent coffees right. and higher quality and eventually I realized I could include not just my parents farm but also my uncles and my neighbors I grew mm-hmm. up surrounded by many farms small small size farms like ours and so I started including you know with time I started including one farm at a time and you know, I have kind of a group of farms lined up that I want to include in the project because they want to also be part of it as they get uh, better rates and they mm-hmm. kind of know what price they're going to get. And uh, it's going to be a premium on top of market rates and it's going to make it more sustainable for them as well. Because then, you know, one of the biggest disadvantages of being a farmer is that you never know how much you're going to get paid for coffee until you sell it, until the day you sell it. Uh, by working directly with them allows me to guarantee a price for them and a purchase amount and it kind of gives more stability. So yeah, it's, um, it was not a life, a life long, you know, it was not like my focus to be on coffee, but the opportunity presented itself. And I'm really grateful that it did because I, you know, it's, it has put me in a very lucky position, uh, privileged position to also help my family back home and, you know, do what I love and stay connected to my roots and mm-hmm. create a business out of it at the same time. Yeah, it sounds like you're doing a lot, actually. How was the process of, of starting the business for you? I feel like learning a lot about like shipping logistics and getting the coffee from Colombia to here must have been a learning curve. 
Yeah, it, it was a learning curve and um, I'm very lucky I got, um, uh, I met someone at the beginning when I was just starting uh, that knew about business that guided me through the process and and the best advice they gave me was um, when I told them I want to start a business and this is when I want to do, they told me, take a whole year and only do research. Don't do anything yet. Just do research. That's and I, so during that year, I was working, I did like many jobs at the same time, uh, along with the research. And I did so much research. I called many importers. I visited many roasters and I was just trying to learn because I didn't know anything about exporting or importing right. or anything after parchment copy. I didn't know the hauling process, the classification, the scoring, the copying, you know? So, so I went and also got certified as a Q grader during that time. I, I did a lot of copying. I, you know, I, I just absorbed all the information I can in order not to make you know, as much mistakes at the beginning. And I think that was, you know, it took a long time because it really did. I did for a whole year, I did just research and I didn't take any action um, until I only brought six bags of coffee. And it's still during that process, I learned so many things that you just learn with practice, you know, and of course I made mistakes that were expensive, but not as expensive as they could have been if I just went on yeah. without doing the research because you know it, it can happen that you start something without knowing and then you know you realize how 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 worse it can get um and it's very hard not knowing but the more information you have you know the less mistakes you make so i think that was great i i I contacted importers. Um, they told me about their process and, you know, what to expect, when not to expect, you know, also you get the people that tell you don't do it. it it's too hard or, you know, there's always people that give you encouragement and people that, you know, right. tell you not to do it <laughs> or it's too difficult and you shouldn't. But, um, I kind of took all of that information and, and did a trial. So I'm like, I'm going to do a trial. I talked to my parents. Um, I borrowed $5,000 here. And then that was what it cost me to bring uh, like those six packs of coffee. And then I told my dad, we're going to do a trial and, and maybe let's partner on it. So if we make any money, um, then I'll pay you more. If not, just give me the coffee at the same price you will sell it at market because I just want to know if this is a viable business, if it will work or not. Um, and then we brought it because it was such little amount of coffee. We had to bring it via um, on an airplane, you mm -hmm. know, like cargo, like right, right. on plane air, not on a ship so after i did the import i realized i didn't learn what i needed to learn because i my goal was to bring a container it's totally different in process when you bring it on the ship than when you bring it on the plane so even then i'm like well i need to bring a bigger amount if i want to learn the rest of the process um i contacted the port and i talked to several brokers you know about for for the broken for the brokerage part of it because i didn't know anything about the that and um i got a bunch of quotes yeah i i think i i just i think it was good that i took my time to do the research and eventually you know i learned the process but it's still you know there are still things that i learn every day because there's always something new or something I forgot or something that changed or situations are different. So it's still pretty much learning every day. 
How has your uh, interactions been with coffee roasters since you are mostly, I'm going to guess, talking with green buyers and coffee roasters since you're doing a lot of the importing? Have you had good interactions with most of the coffee roasters you've been working with? Or has there ever been any issues with, um, you know, importing and and working with them? Um, So it's in general, it has been really good. I think at the beginning, it was very hard because I was very new to Mm -hmm. the industry. I had no credibility, you know, like, yes, I grew up at the farm. Yes, I was a farmer, but like, what else, right? Like, where's like, what do you know about the coffee? And I, I have a lot of knowledge about the coffees, but I didn't, you know, I didn't have a lot of credibility in terms of the, the quality and how to determine that. And that's, that's precisely what I went, why I went and got the Q grading right. course kind of to get some credibility. Um, but as I started meeting people and, you know, it, it take, it, it takes a while to develop those relationships and to, um, and to get that trust from roasters as anything, you know, as any relationship kind of in life, I think, um, then things started to get a little better. Um, it's still, you know, it's still hard when you first meet, meet someone and, you know, there is a process to follow before you can create a relationship and, um, I think it's it's getting easier, mm-hmm. and also like some some people know me now, so so they they will connect me with other people. So there is the word of mouth that helps a lot, but initially it was it was pretty tough. Um, people are very welcoming, they're very nice in the industry. Uh, you know, usually very open to talking and to listening, um, and to providing feedback about the coffees. And it's yeah, I I find it a. a roasters I talk to are super nice and um, very genuine in general. What has been the toughest part of this journey for you? Um, well, finances have been um, hard um, because it's a business that requires a lot of cash flow. Mm-hmm. So even though I've been able to get it, it, it gives me a lot of stress to, right. to, owe, to owe so much money all the time. And, and so that's been a little tough, but also the process of, you know, I studied business, but I always wanted to be in human resources. I, I thought I was good with people. You know, I like people. I like interacting and, and mm-hmm. that stuff, but I never wanted to do sales. Um, I didn't consider myself a good salesperson. So I'm like, I'm just not going to do sales or marketing. And I found myself in sales and marketing. (laughs) (laughs) And so, uh, at the beginning, I'm like, you know, I had to like, okay, I'm on sales now. Right. So Mm -hmm. learning that, you know, becoming good at sales. And I'm still like, I'm trying to be, I try to be very genuine and like, I like have a really good product and it's, it's my family's copy. So it's, it's different. It's not, I'm not selling just anything. Right. So it's, it makes it easier for me, but still, you know, it's a constant work and then, um, having to kind of do everything, you know, the accounting and the marketing, the website, um, so that because it's, you know, starting business doesn't produce much at the beginning. So right. all that starting part was a little challenging. Um, and thankfully I got a very good support system and people along the way that always helped me. And I feel like every time you start a new journey, as long as you start, like people will like people that want to help will just come across you and help out. Right. But yeah, that was hard. The, the culture, the cultural differences have been, haven't been that big, but I have had to adapt a little bit. Um, what were the biggest and, ones for you? 
So in like in Colombia, I'm married now, right? Um, mm -hmm. And here in the US and like just like with my husband, for example, like it's in Colombia, we can be very insistent, you know, like we, we like, let's say, I'm going to just give a silly example, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, like if you go to a house in Colombia, they're going to give you like juice, right? They're not going to ask you if you want it, just going to give it to you <laughs> and, you have, and you, you have to drink it. I mean, it's like, you're polite, you know, you're mm -hmm. like, okay, thank you. And you drink it. And, and if you don't, you don't drink it, it's like a little bit not polite, you know? Right, right. But, but, um, nobody's going to ask you if you want it. Like I found here, you ask, and if you're told no, it's because no, right? Mm -hmm. So I will ask my husband, like, hey, do you want juice? No. And I will bring it anyway. So it's like, hey, Toby, I didn't want juice. You know, like something like that. Just those little like things. The like things. Like there is more, yeah, it's more, you know, you ask and then if yes, yes. If not, no. You know, it's pretty clear. <laughs> and in Colombia, we can take that as an offense. And it's not. It's just being clear, right? So mm -hmm. I've had, had to become um more adapted to that too. you know it's like <laughs> you, you don't you don't just go and impose on people because that's not polite and we we can be like that thinking that we are being polite you know in colombia that's mm -hmm. being polite here that's being not polite <laughs> so so i've had to adapt a little bit to that um in terms of the industry um at at the beginning you know it's a very, it's a pretty, I feel like most of the specialty coffee side is, is pretty young people, a lot of young people in the industry. Um, but I started very young, the business. So I felt like because I was very young, sometimes I wouldn't be taken um, seriously and I would have to like try and try and try and mm -hmm. try. Uh, I don't know if it was my perception or you know, because people would make comments like, how old are you? Like, like, wait, you know, like, why are you, why are you in this business? Or, you know, like questioning just because of the age. Um, so that was a little tough too. I'm not saying anymore, so that helps. Um, but that, that was a little tough too. And then the language barrier, right? Mm -hmm. to, to communicate, you know, my English is um, not super good yet so it's it can be challenging to communicate you don't think your english is good to, right now a, it's, it's still very you know my accent is still pretty it's strong, okay to have an accent it's the fact that you can understand and, and be articulate like you've been doing a really good job and in general like it's normal to have an accent when it's not your first language yeah yeah just uh it it's gotten better, but you know, at the beginning it was not that good. And I was trying to do business. So, you know, that can be challenging. Um, I kind of have overcome that, um, That's fear, good. I guess. Uh, but it's still, it was a challenge at the beginning. Have you had a memorable interaction with either producers or roasters or consumers or in sales that has impacted your journey within importing so far uh, yes i will say so um i have had um interactions with roasters um that you know that have been like 
like roasters that are my customers, but then now I consider also my friends that have um, become awesome. close, you know, like it's become a, a friend, a friendship relationship um, and it's, it's business, but it's also, you know, like, like I feel like coffee has given me way more than, than means to survive, you know, than a business. It's, mm-hmm. it's more about the relationships I've been able to build and the people I have been able to connect with. I've had um, amazing, you know, family businesses where I have, I've gotten to know the whole family through the business because they work in the business uh, and they have come to the farm and stay with my family. And it's like a, an experience that mm-hmm. goes way beyond just a business relationship that has really change my perspective about um business in general and and the coffee industry you know it's not just about the coffee itself like the drink it's more about you know everything that is behind and the people behind it and the type of connections and significant connections that it can create right. and and the thing with farmers you know to to be connected with those farmers and and know that they are so excited and that it means so much to them to be able to sell their coffee directly. When I bring a bag of coffee from a roaster that has the name of the farmer on the back and I bring it back to them, it fills their face with pride and they are so happy just to see that, you know, they, they feel valued and acknowledged and seen. And, um, you know, it's just, it's been very fulfilling for me. And it kind of powers me and, and it gives me it gives me the motivation to continue to to work on this business and to develop more relationships mm-hmm. like of this type. Who inspires you the most with like continuing what you're doing? I think the farmers, the coffee farmers are a big inspiration. You know, my family uh, coming from a coffee farming background. Every time I go to Colombia, you know, I feel very lucky to be here in the U.S. And I can say that, you know, like I have access to anything I want here. And I, I've been very lucky enough to, to be able to start a business and to meet amazing people. And every time I go back home and I go to the farm and I, you know, visit the farmers and all of that, I remember, you know, how hard it can be and my root and my, my upbringing. And I see them so happy and so excited. And I remember how happy I was growing up. I was very happy. I had a very happy childhood um, at the farm. It was a very small farm, you know, nothing, uh, nothing fancy, no car and not, not many toys, you know, but it was very, very happy. I will have, I wouldn't change it for anything. I was, uh, I, I was always, you know, it was a lot of joy. Every every day was very joyful. So I go back and I see that uh, you can't be so happy with so little, but yet I get the opportunity to help to help them, you know, have even a better a better opportunity of life and improve their lives. Um, that that really gives me a lot of motivation to keep uh, working. That's very wholesome. It's also good to hear that you had a happy childhood. I have. Talk to so many different people who have had different kinds of upbringings and um, experiences growing up that it, it makes me happy to hear that, like, appreciating the little things and appreciating uh, just what's enough and, and being happy with what's enough, I think, is really hard to kind of grasp. And, like, especially for you who's had to take a lot of pressure on as a young child. And then, like, obviously, you're the face for a lot of producers. I think that it's amazing to see how strong and, like, determined you are. I think it just carries through how you 
communicate. Like everything that you've kind of come through with just, I barely had to talk this whole time. You, it's great to see how excited you are to talk about all these things. And it's like heartwarming to hear like good, happy stories. Yeah, thank you. Well, I don't need to be talking too much. Just stop no, me no, if I'm no, talking no. too much. <laughs> uh, if you talk too much, the episode will end. <laughs> if, if we just done uh, with, there's nothing else to say. Yeah, I have honestly, you know, I grew up in a village where everyone was in the same level, right? So I feel like sometimes when I went to college, I uh, was in a college where I had a scholarship, but it was it was a high, you know, it was. It was a college where there were all types of kids, you know, kids, mm-hmm. some of the kids that had a lot of money and grew up very differently than me in the city. And I grew up in a village far away from the city. So I, it was a big, bigger shock for me, you know, mm. when I moved to the city, but I had a very gradual moving out of home. I yeah. left home very early, but my parents, you know, were very present parents, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, very, very present. And I feel really lucky in that way. So I've always felt, you know, like I had a family to go to and my, my family has always been united, even though I left home at 11. Um, pretty much I left home at 11 because since then I never gone back to live with my parents. I just come back to visit mm. and on vacation. Uh, and first I visited them on the weekends, as I said, and mm-hmm. then when I moved to the city, I will visit them once a month. So it was very gradual but also um, living in this in, like um, dormitory place I mm-hmm. told you about, you know, at the beginning was a great experience because it's a place where you have to become very independent, very young. Yeah. In, and they, you know, you have to you have to work. You have tasks, you have to wash your clothes, you have to uh, dry your clothes, you have to iron your uniform, you know, at like 12 doing that. That's very good. Um of course, at the time, I wasn't thinking like, oh, I was going to say, I feel like if I was 12 year old <laughs> having to do all that, I'd be so annoyed. But also, like it, we knew as kids of the country, we knew that that that, that was our only chance to study. Mm. And otherwise, we will have to go to work, you know. And so we already knew what it was like to work at the farm because mm-hmm. you still have to work. And so our, our parents were always like, you either study or this is your other option, right? You right. can stay at the farm and um, and work so I had a lot of cousins and growing up was fun at the farm you know nobody had anything but we didn't know because you know if you're all in the same situation you don't have any anyone to compare yourself to or feel so bad and I think our parents were very good about like you know telling us how how good we had it because Mm -hmm. we had a family and we have food on the table and we were going to school and so we were very happy we were very happy growing up and I'm really grateful for that and then in college when I got to see how different you know my classmates some of my classmates had it I was already I think mature enough to not be affected by that that's crazy yeah if you had imagined if you could imagine what (laughs) if you could imagine what elementary school middle school and high school is like in America you're already like lengths ahead of so many people, including myself, I was so immature and child childish in high school. And then college was, oh God, college was a mess. I don't know if you had a good college experience. I did. I, I was also a very calm child. I was very troublemaker as a little kid, but as a teenager, I 
I mean, not because I'm saying it, but I think I was a pretty good teenager. <laughs> I, like, didn't, I, I didn't do much crazy stuff, you know, and mm-hmm. I was a little bit restricted too, but I never felt the need to like, you know, like sneak out or stuff like that. You know, maybe I did a couple of times, but very little, very little mild, you know, low, not, not too crazy stuff. But as a little kid, I was nobody, nobody in my family liked me except my mom, you know, (laughs) breaking everything and stuff. You know, Mm -hmm. I was always the one to blame for anything that happened in any house at any aunt when all of our, my cousins were, you know, when all of us, it was like eight of us growing up together. And if something broke or something burned or something happened, it was either me or my brother. Mm -hmm. So. But, you know, as a teenager, I was very good. And as a college student, because also I, I knew I had all that responsibility. You know, I w- I'm the oldest, too, of my siblings. Uh, okay. So I'm like always like, you know, you are the one that has to give the example. Blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. So, yeah. But I think all of that helped me when I went to college to be a more mature did you person. did you always want to live in the states? Because I'm guessing that's where you live now, living living in. I the live, states. yeah, I live in Virginia now. No, I did. I never even thought of coming to the states, even to visit. And so I, you know, I feel like because at the farm you have such a restriction vision, and as you study and go out, you start seeing. Yeah, you're being you exposed. Know, how much yeah. more opportunity? Yeah, so. At, when I was at the farm, I'm like, I, I'm like, I dreamed of maybe going to college. And then when I got to college and moved to the city, I dreamed of maybe like working in a big company. And mm-hmm. then I had a friend in my college that, that was going to come here. And she's like, I'm going to move to the U.S. and I'm going to be a nanny and I'm going to work and they're going to pay me and I'm going to live there. And I'm like, what? That's possible. And I'm like, oh, how much is that? And it was not crazy expensive. It was expensive for me. I didn't have the money, but I could borrow it and pay it back. Mm-hmm. And, and when I like saw that was possible, I'm like, I'm I'm doing it too. So I I consider myself careful, but also a risk taker. So if I see an opportunity and and I think I can take it and I think it's possible, I'll I'll just jump on it and take it. If it's not too risky and it won't affect anyone, right? Mm-hmm. Um but something that is too 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 risky, I'll think about it a little more. Yeah, right. I want to be yeah. risky, but not much. But I'm like, that's a great opportunity. I want to do that, and so I started researching, and then I did that. Right. Mm-hmm. I came here just because she mentioned that, and I'm like, I can learn English, and then I'll stay there a year. It would be amazing. I've never traveled anywhere. I've never been on a plane. You know, I was in college, and I'm like, I had never. I didn't have a passport, and so it sounded like you know pretty crazy and unreachable but when she did it i'm like i'm doing it too and so i um i started the process and eventually i moved here but i always had the intention to go back yeah um but again once i was here like i saw the opportunity to stay to start a business to study um eventually i got married and so i'm like i stayed i wanted to go to china actually after i finished my year here wow then I wanted to be an au pair in China too, just to experience the culture. But in order to go to China, you needed to learn English. You needed to know English. Yeah. And I didn't know English. So, but I adjust and change my plans as my life goes based on what opportunities present. I mean, I do have like some goals, but if I see that some print something, you know, there is an opportunity mm-hmm. and and it has potential good 
stuff, then I'll try to take it. That's crazy. That's amazing, though. It seems like everything has fallen into place at the right place and at the right time for you. And it's crazy it that, like, um, you're, you never even kind of, like, sought out after it. it. It was just, like, it was, like, a little, like, treat. Do you want this? If you want this, okay, so do you want this? And it's just, I liked this this progression that led to where you are at because it seems so organic. Um, like, it seems like you're also ambitious. So that's what I would have described a lot of what you're saying, like taking risks and being an opportunist. I think you're a very ambitious person too, to be tackling on all of these things and wanting to, uh, when the opportunity is there, like it, it seems like you're always striving to, to learn and be better, which I love to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I'll consider myself an ambitious person in, in the sense of, I, you know, I was, I want to keep growing and learning and doing great things as, as, as you know, as much as I can do. And I don't want to settle in one place. And, um, I, I want new things happening all the time. No, like I'm not, I, I like routine too. And I like have, you know, stability, but I also like to feel like I'm growing mm-hmm. in every, in every possible way. I was curious, is it just you call or is it someone else? Oh, here in the space. Yeah. yeah. So, I have my producer who's like okay. across the seat from me, um, who listens in and is, is who does all the audio cool equipment stuff that I have no I have no idea how to do any of that. It's like different <laughs> color switches and everything. But yeah, it's it's basically me. Um I started the concept on my own and then I kind of always had the idea to wanna kinda have these kind of conversations and meet more people. Cause essentially this podcast was a great way for me to network and meet more people in the industry. Cause I live in the Midwest and, um, it's we're, we're in the Midwest, Ohio. So we're not Ohio. far. Um, but it's, it's, it's something that I started noticing is the lack of representation in female roasters specifically in the Midwest. I guess I should just preface all these things. And then, um, when I had attended a, roasters retreat for SCA I noticed that there still was a lack of representation for people of color and for women and I started realizing these like subtle nuances that kind of existed in the industry that I didn't entirely enjoy mm-hmm. and I remember having conversations with some of these women and they were just like yeah that's just the way it is and that's the way it's probably going to be and I'm like okay I don't like that like why is no one talking about it so that's where this started it was like I want I want people to like feel like they can be kind of like open about the fact that like, yeah, some of these atmospheres that people have to be put in are uncomfortable. Like nobody likes the coffee bros that are mansplaining things all the time. And it's like, it, I think a lot of what struck me was there was a girl that like told me or not me, like everybody about how they felt they were unsafe because they were a woman in the industry. Mm-hmm. And that's what really struck it for me was that I was like, okay, so I want to get a, a multitude of people on the show and like let them just tell their story and just like if they have had bad experiences, if they feel like this isn't right or if they feel like they've had a great journey and they can be great represent, like they can be great role models. Like for you, for example, um, I've had a, a lot of different people on the show so far that have had different stories and different journeys within the industry that aren't always all bad. And it's really nice to hear that because I've had 
what a journey. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Yeah, and the journey is always filled with like, you know, nothing's perfect. So there's always like rocks on the way and obstacles that you have to overcome. And, um, you know, there is always the people that are, are not going to be kind to you or mm-hmm. going to go behind your back and do stuff. Um, and I think that happens probably to everyone. Yeah. Um, but I, I really try to, to get to cut those people off really quickly. Um, and I, I try to, you know, learn from my mistakes. I find myself uh, sometimes I'm very gullible, gullible. Yeah, that's the right word. Gullible. And, um, and trusting and, and, um, people can take advantage of that. So, I mean, I'm trying to work on that, you know, that's, um, something I need to improve. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm more distrusting than trusting. I, I can say that, like, for me, I'm not easily trusting of other people. Um, so I don't think being a trusting person is a bad quality. I just hate the fact that people take advantage of people when the opportunity yeah. is there. But um, I guess it's where do you see the future of what you're doing going? Like, what would you like to be doing? Like, this is the goal of my importing company. Well, I, so I, I have like, I don't have like something set on a stone yet because I kind of see different options. Mm -hmm. I have like little pieces I want to achieve. So first I would like to, um, get to, I'm bringing about two containers of coffee per year. I would like to like the next step. I would like to be at a point where I'm bringing at five Mm -hmm. containers, um, and then I would like to consider having some people help me, like be able to offer some jobs either in Colombia or here um, to, to help me with my business. And I want to be able to continue to work with small scale producers um, and with grocers like I have been doing and develop that type of relationship. But it's taken it's taken a long time to develop yeah. those relationships. So. I think it's going to take a long time to continue to grow to the level I want. I also want to get to a point where I some like, sometimes I feel like I'm just doing like I plan my day and then I end up doing like, you know, Completely everything that different. comes up and like, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm like, you know, I try to be like Monday accounting, Tuesday marketing, you know, like that mm-hmm. doesn't work. <laughs> and so, um, I want to get to a point where it's more stable and where I have a, like a stable stream of sales. I want to get more sales faster. I need to rotate my copy faster so I can rotate the money faster. So I need to get to that level of maturity business wise. And I would like to be there within the next five years. We'll see how that goes. Um, in terms of Export. I started the export business in Colombia too, the export part, because I was working with an exporter to do the paperwork mm-hmm. part there for me before. So I started the export business there and I would like to be able to export to other places too, um, so that I can, you know, buy from more farmers. I will need more customers for that. So it kind of all depends on customers, yeah. how many, you know, relationships I can build. Um, and I also want to, um, I'm building a coffee lab in, at the farm. Um, I've been building it since I started the business, you know, like sending a hundred dollars a month or something like mm-hmm. that to, to kind of build it. And I, 
I want to build it at the farm because I feel like most coffee labs, they are either in the city or, mm -hmm. you know, the importers own them and, and it's mostly for the importers to cup with the roasters. And that's great because, you know, like that's where the coffee is going. And so you need to cup for quality. But I feel the farmers don't know the, how to cup coffee, yeah. how to taste it. Most farmers have never even tasted their coffee. Mm -hmm. My parents, I grew up drinking instant coffee at the farm. And so... Nescafe, you know, like, yeah, that's yeah, wild. With, yeah, with powdered milk. Uh, and my parents grew up the same way, and my grandparents and my grandfather, one of my grandfathers who already passed, he never tasted his coffee. And that's for the majority of farmers in Colombia that are our size. And that is for several reasons. And one of them is not because they want to sell it and they don't want to drink it. That's not one of the reasons. The reasons is to 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 get coffee from parchment as they sell it to to roast it. It's a long process and not only long, it's also expensive. So, you know, to hold the coffee, roast the coffee, grind the coffee, brew the coffee, all of that requires equipment and requires knowledge and requires money and time that farmers just don't have. And so I want to give them first the opportunity to taste the coffee because they need to taste it. Because I feel like if you don't know what you have, mm -hmm. you know, if you don't know the quality of your product and how, what power do you have to negotiate with your buyer right. and get a good price, you know, so I might have the best coffee and I might find someone that wants to buy it directly and that has the capability of buying it at a good price and, but if I don't know anything about the coffee, how am I going to sell it? You know, like where they're going to have to try it and tell me if it's good or not. And in a real business, you should know the quality of your product and you should know if it's good or not before you offer it. Right. And that gives you power um, of sales, I guess, uh, if that it's, you know, if that makes sense, yeah, it gives I you more power saying. of the salesperson, right? Like sales power. So knowledge is power. So they need that knowledge. So I want to build a lab to cup with the farmers and teach them, you know, how to cup. And I want to also develop the infrastructure so that all of the coffee that we cannot bring to the U.S., they can all have their own like little um, brand and, and they can roast the coffee and label it and sell it inside Colombia, like in, in their own brand, like little bits of coffee here and there. And they they all could have the little business. And we started with my mom. My mom, like, well, my mom is already roasting our own coffee and selling it in bags in Colombia, just like so a small nice. production. And she learned how to roast. And we got a roasting machine that was pretty much made by hand by this guy that used to work at a company where they made roasting machines. So That's it's pretty, cool. you know, crafty. Um, and, and I want to get, uh, you know, more farmers that if they want to do that, I want to give them that, that opportunity. So, of course, I want to have a business that is profitable, but also a business that is giving the opportunity to other farmers to have a small profitable business as well. Um, something that is like very community based, mm -hmm. but also stable and sustainable. All I have to say is you're so ambitious and it's it's so inspiring to listen to you. Like I'm just sitting mm -hmm. here and I'm like, oh, my God, like. Are you somebody who also doesn't get like scared of challenges? Like, do you just take things head on? Um, I try. I do get scared, but you know, I I try to overcome my fears. Um, and 
I feel like if if I'm not good at something, I have to do it in order to get good, right? So when I decided to start this business, I realized I'm not I wasn't good at sales and I was not good at taking rejection. And I need to get good at that if I wanted to be in sales because sales is like Yeah thick skin right? right and so in colombia i feel like we're too pampered i mean everyone is like so like <laughs> here i came and i like someone will tell me something straight like um like for example like something just like clear you know yeah, um, very I, blunt I, didn't, I don't like your i don't like your food it's, it doesn't taste good you know th- that would be such an insult <laughs> yeah if someone says that but like he's like it's just an honest thing you know like they're telling you or they don't like something it's not you don't have to take it bad it's just a straight it's just right. telling you the truth and it's not an attack or anything so i realized i needed to learn how to handle that and so i started working selling roasted coffee for a company that roasted coffee i'm like hi can i i can i can be your wholesaler and you just pay me commission or whatever i sell and i wasn't gonna make much money because it was like you know it was like i was selling to restaurants and I think it was $1 per pound and you have to sell a lot of, a lot of pounds if you were right. wanted to survive in commissions. But I figured that it would be a good opportunity to get good at sales. And so I will go to restaurants and I'm like, just, I'm just like, I have to just get over with, you know, and See, I offered the coffee and the first rejections were hard, but then I got good at it. And so now I don't care. Like when people say no, I'm like, okay, thank you so much. You know, um, or if they say the coffee is really bad, you know, because I can have someone that loves the coffee and someone that doesn't like the coffee and that's fine. That's normal. But, um, if I hadn't done that, then I would have been stuck there, you know, like on the fear of offering and being told no, and it's still, you know, difficult. Um, but I feel like I need, if I need to get better or something, I had to I have to do it. I, I don't like cold calling. Um, <laughs> And sometimes I just put it on my calendar, just call, call. It's just like a task, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, it gives me, it's, it's scary for me to do cold calling. Um, but I, yeah, I try, I try my best. Sometimes I let myself be overcome by fear. Of course, I think it happens to anyone. And like I put, I have put projects on hold just because I'm scared to start them. But I, I try to not, not do that too much yeah you're you're just a badass like I'm, I'm, not. I'm not I know I just like I'm listening to you and if I was to do any of that I just wouldn't even do it in the first place to be quite honest like it's just so cool how you're like you know what I'm uncomfortable with this so I'm gonna put myself in an uncomfortable situation to overcome that fear whereas yeah. I would have never done that and I'm just like I'm just it's inspiring and I'm also just in awe Obviously, like you have your struggles and you are, you work yourself to get to the point where you're able to do that. Um, And I think that you should give yourself some grace, you know, for a lot of what you've accomplished and been able to learn on your own. It sounds like a lot of this, yes, you asked for help, but I think a lot of what you're, what you've been doing, you've taken full initiative to do on your own, which is great. Yeah, I've tried to do, I, I, Sometimes it's good to ask for help. I can be bad at that. And sometimes I think I can't do everything. And then I end up, you know, like I should have asked for help or, or advice. Uh, like one day I tried to take apart a, a Murphy bed and it fell on me and I almost break my head, my leg. You know, I should have just asked for help. I cannot do everything. And so like, 
I, I, but I try not to ask for too much help because I don't want to get people, you know, tired of me asking all the time. So I try to keep a balance. Um, but I, sometimes I feel like I've just gotten so lucky. I, I do think I have put on a lot of work Mm -hmm. and I need to keep putting on a lot of work. And sometimes I'm like, you know, I feel like I'm not putting enough work in as I should have. Um, and I try to get back on track. Yeah, and I think that's, that's challenging. That's very challenging because sometimes, you know, like to tell yourself to do things can be tough, you know, right. like discipline yourself. But just being around people that are very disciplined and my husband is super disciplined and hardworking. So it's helped me a lot to kind of like try to follow those those steps. Uh, but I don't know if you feel sometimes, but it's like sometimes I feel like I'm losing speed and I need to get back on track and you know motivating yourself yeah motivation is very limited though i feel like discipline is what we need to work on because if we were gonna live on motivation the motivation lasts three hours (laughs) (laughs) honestly though i kind of agree with that i think the it's always easier said than done talking about discipline and i think that um i never want to catch myself in a hypocritical situation but yeah i think for the most part like I relate a lot of self-discipline with fitness. Um, and this is like the first time I've really brought it up on the podcast, but like, I'm very big on fitness and health in general. And a lot of the time it's like that initial three hours of motivation to go to the gym is only the three hours of the day. Everything after that is just prolonged self-discipline. And I think that that when you're able to apply it to one facet of your life, will just naturally start to kind of bleed into other aspects of your life. So um, once you're able to kind of conquer this idea that you're battling yourself with trying to create structure and trying to create consistency, like consistency and discipline, I think are the two things that like every adult struggles with, right? Like things Mm -hmm. happen at work, things happen in personal life. You get motivated, you have all these projects you want to do, but it's really hard to keep everything in balance of what's a priority and what's not. But I think a lot of it will, will play out if you're able to kind of kind of have a tunnel vision and really focus primarily on one thing at a time and, and keep that consistency of staying true to the tasks you're basically putting on yourself. I don't know if that, I don't, I just went on a tangent for no reason. <laughs> no, like... no, I think it, it makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's, it's discipline. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. And like, I feel like, you know, like if I had a job, like I just got to work and then I have a, la- a list of tasks that my boss gave me. I don't know. I really never have like a structure office job mm-hmm. because I did my practices and then I started, be- I did other jobs, but not like an office. I'm like, I'll have my, my tasks and I'll just do them and then I'm done. But like when you have to tell yourself your tasks and then you have to tell yourself when you're going to do them, you know, you have to put more effort because... Right. I could say like, I'm just going to go watch a movie today and I'm not going to do anything. Mm -hmm. You can't do that. Right. Like if you want to build something, you can't do that. So getting to, it can sometimes be hard and you can like fall back. So it's a constant work. If you want to build something, as you say, consistency and discipline, motivation is, is very short. It's really funny. Every episode I feel like is it's, in very interesting areas of my personal life that it kind of like synchronizes with certain lessons that I'm kind of struggling with obtaining. Um, But so 
on this topic of kind of like struggling with self-discipline and, and motivation, how, how do you decompress? Like what's your way of being able to kind of like take a step back, recalibrate and then come back? Like what's your process? Um, so like what, what activities do I do to do that? Yeah. Whatever makes you feel like, okay, I'm stressed out. I can't do this right now. I'm going to go do a B and C and then I'm going to just be in my bubble. And then when I'm ready, I'll go back. Okay. So there are a few things I enjoy. Like I enjoy cooking, um, a lot. So I like, I like watching cooking videos and making recipes and creating stuff in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, like it's art, you know, it's like my yeah. way of art. I like it. Um, and then I am trying to read more and I had that as a goal for this year. And it's just not, it's just not materializing the way <laughs> I envision it. in January. In January, I was like, I'm going to read, you know, one book per month. That's a big <laughs> I mean, goal. I well, at, at, I thought maybe at least, you know, then I'm like, well, maybe I can just read, you know, four books this year or five or something, but mm -hmm. I haven't read much, you know, maybe one and a half books and it's like already October. So I'm trying to improve on that. I think reading is good. Um, I do a lot of YouTube. I watch a lot of YouTube videos and I honestly need to cut back on that because it's not, it's, it's fun, but <laughs> I feel like it's not very productive. It's sometimes. a rabbit hole once you get into it. Yeah. So, so I like watching movies instead of series because I cannot watch one chapter at a time, you know, like one chapter every night. So I'd rather watch a movie and be done. Um, so anything that is artsy, uh, going out, um, you know, going out of, because I work from home, my, my home office. So, you know, I try to not be distracted by Sometimes I like, you know, I take a break and don't go do laundry. I know that they say you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to be at your office and separate work from home and all of that. But sometimes it works for me. Like I'm working and then I take a break and go start the laundry. And then I, I come and continue working and it was like an active pause. Mm -hmm. So what, what I feel like works best for me when I manage to do it is uh, just put everything I need to do on my calendar and do it as it says on the calendar and put breaks on the calendar too. Mm, so I don't feel, so I don't feel guilty when I take a break that is longer than was supposed to be because, you yeah. know, sometimes you do that. I don't know if that's happened to you, but like I do something that is not productive and I feel guilty. And then I feel like I cannot be productive. You know, I don't know. It becomes like, um, like a, a hole. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so then at the end of the day, you feel disappointed that you didn't do this and that and that, but it's because it wasn't on the calendar. So I'm working on that and it works really well for me, for at least for me, you mm -hmm. know, like calendar block and put uh, pauses there. Yeah. And maybe what I want to do, uh, eat ice cream from one to two or something like that. And then you're <laughs> like, it's in there, you know, I have to do it. Uh, so it feel <laughs> you feel better about it. So that works for me. Um, you know, of course, when I go to Colombia and come back, it's like completely refresh or mm -hmm. just working from the farm. But, that, you know, that's not like something I can do every, every weekend. Right. So, um, yeah, I feel like changing the environment is good. I love, though, that my thanks to my job, I like I love delivering coffee, mm. you know, like 
if I have a customer that is close by, I will just go to the warehouse and deliver myself on my car. And I know that it's just all the time I'm driving, it could be using on my desk, making more productive stuff than driving. But I figure, you know, I go deliver coffee and I visit my customer and say hi and have an interaction. And I like to be on the road and, and I don't know. It's just it, it like it, when I have to do that in the middle of the week, it kind of... Uh, um, it gives me energy to continue through the week, even though it was all the whole day of driving. It was just, it was fun. I was listening to music. I met my customers. I talk. It was fun. Sometimes I'm like sitting on the desk too long. <sighs> on the show, there's a part where we basically have a hot take. And essentially this is your chance to kind of bring something up and an awareness that is, could be a controversial subject, or it could just be a hot take in the industry where you might have an opinion about something that other people don't really know about. So what is your hot take? Um, can the hot take be an experience that you've had? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't, I'm going to tell you an experience that I had that I have had only once, no, twice. Um, but I don't want it to be general because it's not happened to me with like all milk. I'm going to happen with male, um, uh, males in the industry anyways. Okay. Um, so once um, or no once, there is this um, person that is in the industry mm -hmm that every time I run into them, they make this comment of how easy is it for me to sell coffee just because I'm a woman and I only have to smile to my clients and then it's very easy to sell the coffee. And I find it so insulting. Yeah. Um, and they make it as a joke, right? But they, 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 they do it with bad intention. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know who, how many more people there. I think they do it just because I'm a woman, you know, Yeah. They, uh, just because I'm a woman. So I, that's the only time, like I felt that I have been put down just because I'm a woman in the industry. You know, it's like, uh, like, like all my knowledge goes out the window and all my experience and all the quality of my coffee when they say something like that. So I don't know if that's a hot take. But that's the, you know, the bad thing that's happened to me in this industry. I mean, yeah, I feel like that's the whole purpose of this podcast, you know, like it, it's to be able to vocalize when you've been indirectly or directly scrutinized or discriminated in some type of way. I think that regardless, like people love to mask insults and, um, discrimination or racism through indirect humor to make it not as severe but it's still that like it's not okay yeah yeah i find it's not okay especially like you know it keeps happening it's um yeah it's uh i don't know if where it comes from well i don't know where it comes from from what place of what of insecurity or of feeling powerful i don't know i don't know i, I don't think know where they will do that a lot of the industry has this perspective of it being very, um, so patriarchal. Like, I don't know if you've had a lot of run-ins with guys in the industry who, who do this thing where they talk over you, they take up space and, um, they'll, they'll act like they know the coffee better than you. Um, 
by throwing in terminology, thinking that that's going to paint pretty pictures of the coffee. And I'm just, and I've run into many people like that. And I'm just like, this, this isn't it. I don't like this. And it's just, it is kind of demeaning and it strips the entire essence of what coffee is. And I was just talking about this on our last episode, um, which like, it's a human process. If you can break it down to like TDS and the bricks percentages, and you can do all these things and, and throw in the fanciest like tasting notes to sound eloquent and understanding acidity and flavor profiles, whatever. But at the end of the day, it's like coffee is still, it's just, it's a relationship building thing. Like it's not some supposed to be this, this, this showmanship of fanciful, like the top is the top is that's not a word, the, the, the top <laughs> of the grade of coffee. And like, that's the only thing acceptable. It's yeah. So like I've run into those. Um, I think that like things are starting to look better, but like at the end of the day, like there are those kind of people that exist in the, in the industry. And that's why I like this platform is that people can just like kind of like throw, throw shit at the wall and just say the things that they've been wanting to say. Like, it's just frustrating. Yeah. It's a, there is definitely a lot of that. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes it's also, um, what is that phenomenon? You know, there is a phenomenon. I don't remember the name, but it kind of says that, you know, the people that, that know more, like that really, really know, they, they think they don't know anything because they know so much that they know that really they don't know much. But the people that just learn a little bit because they don't know how much more is there to learn, they feel like they know everything already, mm-hmm. you know? And so you'll find these people that learn something and then it's like they know everything, but they feel so secure about that what they know and they feel so you know it's like powerful because mm-hmm. of that knowledge that they have because it feels like they already know the thing the, the whole thing right right but it's just because they haven't learned anything or just learn a little bit so they don't really know how much more is there to learn right um and so that's why we feel so 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 secure but when we learn a lot a lot a lot about a thing we don't feel so secure about knowing a lot because we already know that there is so much more, more to yeah. learn. And so I think that happens a lot, you know, just in life in general. Uh-huh. And you can see it when you run into people uh, like these. And it's very hard to change someone's mind once when they are in that position. I think yeah. only time will teach them once they continue to learn and see uh, that there is way more than, you know, than you think. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. It's happened to me too, you know, like when you're learning something, you think already know a lot and then you realize like, I didn't know, I did it. I, ha- I don't know anything. <laughs> so much more to learn. Yeah. Well, I had a great time talking to you. I feel like time just went by fast. I just checked the time and it's already 7.10. I was like, wow. Like, time really escaped me on this episode. Um, but I really loved talking to you. I, I love your attitude. It's it's so refreshing and it's so clear and you have a vision and I know that you're going to probably combat me with this, but you are a very inspirational figure. I think that you're doing great things for yourself and what you're trying to create for your community back home. 
The coffee lab sounds really exciting. I've talked to so many producers where that is a common problem that they don't get to try their coffee or know much about the the cupping and, and roasting experience. And it's like if they had the knowledge and just the asset of resources to be able to do that, it would help them have a lot more control in the in the market of coffee buying. And like I'm a firm believer that that needs to be more of a normal practice. So mm-hmm. it makes me excited hearing all of the things that you eventually would love to see unfold for your business and I think that like you're you're on the right track to doing great things and it makes me excited to to have met you and been able to continue hopefully a relationship after this and to see where uh your importing business and like in general everything else you achieve goes yes of course thank you so much for inviting me i really appreciate it um it was very nice talking to you and you know thank you again for opening your platform for me to be in it and share with you you know some of the stuff going on in my life and with my business Uh, and i hope it might be of some use to someone um oh yeah feel free to reach out to me if there's anything i can do for you yeah a hundred percent like i would i would love to like one day I, I want to meet all of the people in person one day like the zoom stuff gets annoying after a while because i'm like oh i keep meeting amazing people but um yes i don't be a stranger you're always welcome to, to reach out yes of course and you too I'll, um you know we'll connect via email and then hopefully i can go there and and meet roasters and visit you at the same time yeah i think her story is so strong like she said it so effort well one she just came out the gate like going on about herself and i just was like there's so much confidence in how she carries herself and as much as she's going to vocalize her self-doubt it was it was another story of just like yeah i had to do this really young and then i kind of was like fuck it i'm gonna do it and then i'm gonna continue to keep being a badass and i'm just gonna keep like taking every opportunity i have that's gonna come my way that i didn't think i could take and then here i am i started a business and it's it's growing and i want to keep growing and then i want to do this and i'm just like whoa like it's rare to find people like that nowadays and i I love hearing that she came from a really good childhood and that she had a really good support system and it seems like everything is just so organic to where she is. I think that she's just going to keep riding on this like really good trajectory of everything that's just been accomplished for her. I love that like she was talking about how she's really happy when she goes back on the farm because it's like she's happy and everyone's happy and it's and it's because they're satisfied with their life and it's it, it's stuff like that that make me really happy because it just goes to show that you don't need much to be happy in life. And um like their community is enough for them what they are producing is enough for them obviously they want more you you get what i'm trying to say but like i just this story warmed my heart more than anything it's another one of those like feeling fuzzy on the inside kind of moments um and i just i feel like i really didn't have to do much on this episode this time i i I feel like these last few episodes I've been talking a lot. I've been integrating myself a little bit more into the discussions, but she just came off and was just like, like she just had so much shit to say and she seemed so excited to like talk about it all. And as much as someone who is claiming that she's not good at English, she was really eloquent. <laughs> I'm saying like the perfectionist in her comes out in different aspects that were part of this episode, but overall it was just 
it was it was yeah i just love her attitude like it's just like she's the type of person that i'd want in my life if i need somebody to motivate me to just do it which is funny we were talking how much motivation has been a part of this episode is that i feel like if i had her in my life there'd be a consistent like positive spirit of like an opportunist and just taking life by the balls and just going for it versus um a lot of people it's like hard to find that anymore 